T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Hoyer, and we are delighted to welcome in friend of the program, Tony Andraki, he of Marquee, and he joins us now on the SCORE Hotline, brought to you by Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sportsbook. Tony, good morning. How are you? Good morning. Doing well. How are you guys? You know, I, I said to David the other day, and I, I stand by it, that I really love the new rules. I really love the action. I really love watching uh, everything that's going on, but I can't get past the size of the bases. It's like, it's almost like it, it just looks like it's kind of, I wonder if my TV is okay. You know, like it, it just, it's like a lit, it's like a guy's wearing bozo shoes. Like, Hey, wh- what the hell? That guy's wearing crazy shoes. It just stands out to me. Am I the only one noticing this? He, he thought it was an idiotic comment. But I did I, not say idiotic. You, you implied. I, I'm just curious, yeah. Tony, does that, does that look a little different to you, or am I overreacting? <laughs> well, I will never go so far as calling it an idiotic comment. Um, but, no, it honestly, it's something that I have not noticed at all down here, and it's not something that, that they're talking about, you know, the players and coaches and uh, people around baseball. It's really more about the pitch clock. It's about uh, the disengagement. It's about, you know, trying to figure out when to call time. Like we just saw it in the Cubs game yesterday where Tucker Barnhart tried to call time, and – uh, the umpire didn't grant it, and so the pitch clock ran out, and Rowan Wick accidentally walked the guy. Like There are all these situations um, that teams are trying to take advantage of and, and figure out, but also just learn the rules. The umpires are trying to learn the rules. Like I think that is coming into play so much more than the bases right now. And to be honest, when I've watched from the press box or I, I watch on the practice field and stuff, like I was even just talking with Jim Deshays and, and Maddie Lee yesterday about it. Like We don't really notice the bases being that big from where – we're standing from where our perspective is and the players haven't talked about it. You know, it looks like they're just taking the same angles when they're running the bases and, you know, maybe it's going to continue to, to increase stolen bases, but like that's the only area where I've seen it so far, the bases actually. All right, Tony, we could go a lot of different directions with terms of players who have stood out, but I want to start with Matt Mervis because he's got a lot to gain in this camp. I don't know what the expectations are based on all the other veterans that have been added to the mix, but how would you describe what Matt Mervis has done so far 
and how he fits into the plans. Yeah, he's been pretty impressive so far this spring. I think, you know, David Ross was, was singing his praises as well, getting a chance to watch him. I, I do think, you know, in terms of trying to make the team, obviously Eric Hosmer, Trey Mancini changed that equation quite a bit, you know, adding two veterans and, and guys, you know, Hosmer, for example, four gold gloves and defense is paramount to the team this year. So, you know, adding a, taking a guy like him away, trying to put Mervis in, that's, that's difficult on multiple levels. Uh, Mancini, you know, is a big bat, a proven bat, can play DH, can play outfield as well. So the Cubs are trying to work through all those. But, you know, I think there's a little bit of a difficulty in Mervis's favor and that he leaves for the WBC soon. and He's going to miss a couple of weeks at Cubs camp. So, um, you know, it's an awesome opportunity for him to be able to play for you know, his home country and stuff. But, like, it, it's, it hurts his chances of making the team in a practical sense. Like, the Ross and the coaching staff and Hoyer's front office, they, they just don't get a chance to see him in big league camp in front of their own eyes for maybe a couple of weeks, maybe even three weeks, you know, if, if things go uh, really well for him in the WBC. So I think that is difficult for sure. And, you know, also like this is a guy who's only played, you know, 50 games or so at the AAA level. So it probably makes more sense for him to start there. Um, and especially given, you know, see how the Hosmer Mancini tandem works at first base in DH. But I think Mervis just continues to impress overall, like what he he's picked up where he left off last season. And I think uh, Tommy Hotovy was even saying on our broadcast a couple games ago, he's been struck by how patient Mervis has been. He has three or four walks already this spring. So he has power. He's hitting well. Uh, you know, the, the shift is certainly helping him. I think he has at least two hits through like the hole on, on the right side where there's, you're no longer able to shift. So I think there's still definitely a bright, bright future for Mervis, but I'm not so sure that that's going to start an opening day. Yeah, he's he's going to to uh, play against, uh, I believe, or he's with Team Israel. And I was looking at the schedule the other day. They've they've got some tough games, like, it, you know, and they're they're going to play the Dominican Republic and Puerto Rico and Venezuela. I mean, it's they, you know, he should get opportunity, but as you say, leaving Major League Camp is uh, is difficult for him, just given the timing. Yeah, it really is, and it, it it's difficult for some of these guys, and um, you know, probably not a guy like Marcus Stroman. Stroman was talking yesterday; he's leaving today, actually, to to go join Team Puerto Rico in Florida. Uh, he and Nelson Velasquez, but you know, Stroman has pitched in the WBC before, and he felt like a few years ago when he did that he was in mid-season form by the time opening day came around, and he threw over 200 innings that year, and you know, he he came to camp like really ready to go and. Uh, David Ross is praising his intensity too in camp so far, and yeah, I mean, I think Stroman will be will benefit for sure. And honestly, in the long run, I think Mervis will benefit from the WBC, from playing at that mm-hmm. high level of competition. From you know, these these games can draw fifty to sixty thousand people at times, and Stroman was saying that it's the only it's the closest thing you can compare to playoff baseball in major in the major leagues. So you know, for Mervis to not have any MLB experience, but then to have playoff-like experience in the WBC, that's only going to serve him well in the future. Uh, But it's just going to hurt his stock just a bit this spring because the Cubs aren't going to get a chance to look at him with their own eyes. Tony, Nico Horner led off for the fourth straight game yesterday, and I wonder, is this going to be a permanent thing? Do you think he's just getting a, a longer look because he's the best available option? What other options do you think exist, and do you like him there? Yeah, you know, I think to your first couple of questions, I think yes to both. Like, it is going to be a more permanent thing, and 
And that's because there aren't really any other options. And I was actually a little surprised. We asked Ross about it yesterday, and he basically admitted to the fact that he likes Nico setting the table up top. He likes him as a tone setter. He doesn't have the same, you know, the prototypical skill set, at least even nowadays, where it's changed a bit from like the Juan Pierre type leadoff hitters. But nowadays that, you know, it's more of the 350 or 360 on base guys. And Nico's not quite that. He can, you know, if he maybe gets up to over 300 with the average. But, you know, I think Ross just likes him as like a spark plug. And he said for whatever reason, Nico has this ability to to kind of just motivate the team or just like be a, be a guy on the field that, that sparks everything. Maybe even similar to Dexter Fowler a few years ago. And Fowler had the, the on-base percentage and, and the experience at leadoff that Nico doesn't. But, um, but yeah, I think this is definitely going to be something the Cubs are going to try. And, you know, depending on if Madrigal makes the lineup, like he's another option at leadoff. Uh, guys like Hap and, and Morell, you know, have done it a bit before. But, you know, Morell is facing a tough a tough uh, opportunity to make the opening day roster. And Hap's probably better served in the middle of the order, especially with Suzuki out. So, I think Nico's the guy to start the season, and, you know, we'll see how it goes. And I think the Cubs have maybe some other options like Zach McKinstry and stuff as well. But Nico makes the most sense. And then when you have, like, Nico and Dansby Swanson and then Hap and whoever else, like, you're getting your best hitters up there the most often throughout the game. So it'll be really interesting to see how this all plays out. I thought it was interesting when Jed talked about, say, a Suzuki uh, and said there's no timetable. We had – talked to Coom about it, and he said that that's usually a, a six-week injury with an oblique. And Jed said that that uh, opening day in jeopardy for Suzuki because you obviously you want to end that thing. You don't want it lingering into the year. Yeah, for sure. They, they just want to make sure he's 100%. And Jed kept kind of hammering home the point that opening day is just one day, and there's a lot of bad decisions made around trying to get back for one day and maybe not being 100% healthy just so you're able to play in in the day. But what the Cubs want is is Suzuki back at full force. They don't want him to be dealing with an oblique injury that's lingering. And also, you know, the problem with these is they're just so tricky. Like Tyler Glass now, the Rays pitcher, has one. Obviously, it's different pitcher versus hitter, but he's out six to eight weeks. And Nico Horner had an oblique injury on the different side of his body, on the right side in 2021 he was out six weeks he came back for like five games and then felt it again on another check swing and ended up missing the rest of the season so it's a very very tricky injury for a hitter because swinging is so violent and you have to have that that torque and that like ability to to twist and turn and without an oblique that's at 100 percent, you can't do that so the Cubs just want to make sure that say is healthy they want to make sure that He's back uh, whenever it it is. You know, if that's April 15th, if that's May 1st, they want to make sure that this is not a problem from here. And I think, you know, looking at the big picture and understanding that is important, but also because they have some options that they can plug in in the meantime. You know, Mancini can play the outfield. Wisdom can play the outfield. And then they have a couple interesting non-roster guys like Mike Talkman, you know, a Chicago area native. Like, he's around and he can maybe make the team. Ben Deluzio's looked pretty impressive before leaving for the WBC and guys like Morell and, and Velasquez. So I think the Cubs have options to plug the hole for now. They just want to make sure that this does not crop up all year and Suzuki ends up missing more time when he comes back. Tony, do you think that Christopher Morell makes this team on opening day and also is his uh, status maybe tied into Nick Madrigal's? Yeah, it's a really good question. And right now, if I had to answer, I'd say no, he doesn't make the opening day roster. He 
he's played in just 10 games in AAA, and last year he went right from AA to the big leagues. And, you know, he kind of – he was awesome, obviously, at the start, but he kind of got exposed a little bit. The league figured him out the last couple months of the season. Ended up starting, like, finishing on a pretty hot note, too. But I think it makes more sense for him to get everyday playing time in AAA, get a little bit more development. He's still only 23 go down there versus like playing sporadically in the big leagues, because even if he makes this team and he plays right field, which he hasn't played a ton of in his career, or he plays third base, the Cubs have a bunch of other options like Madrigal, like uh, newcomer Edwin Rios or McKinstry or wisdom or, you know, all over the place. Like there's a bunch of options of guys who can play third base, who can play uh, right field and, you know, Cody Bellinger is the new center fielder, so it's not like Morell is going out there except maybe to spell him every few you know games. So I think it makes the most sense for Morell to start in the minors. I do think that's what's going to happen, but I guess let's see how, you know, things play out over the next few weeks. Uh, maybe other injuries crop up. Maybe the Cubs need to include him, or maybe he just plays so well and proves that, like, hey, you can't keep me in the minors. I deserve a spot in the opening day roster. Does, uh, does um, Hayden Wisniewski get a spot in the opening day rotation? If he pitches anything like he did a couple of days ago, then yes, absolutely. Uh, he was fantastic. And, you know, striking out Julio Rodriguez as well, like to start things off, like Hayden's a really interesting guy. I mean, I think he's going to be a, a, an awesome piece for this rotation moving forward, uh, like long-term big picture. I don't know if that starts on opening day. I think my gut is the Cubs are probably lean a bit towards the track record and the veteran experience with Adrian Sampson to begin the year in the rotation. You know, it's kind of, it's, it's hard to argue with his success in the Cubs uniform, like an ERA just over three and, you know, well over a hundred innings the last couple of years. So I think the Cubs kind of owe it to themselves and, and Sampson has deserved a shot to, to see like, if this is real, if he can keep it up and keep it going into 2023. So my gut is that's where it kind of leans, but yeah, you know, if Wesneski makes it impossible for that to happen, then maybe Samson moves to the bullpen or, you know, they figure something else out. Um, and then Javier Asad looked really good in his first start too. So he's in the mix as well. But whether Wesneski's in the opening day rotation or not, I think he's going to end up being really good for the Cubs this year and, and pitches some really, really important innings at some point. Great stuff, Tony. Keep up the great work. Thanks, Tony. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. That's Tony Andraki with the uh, with the Marquee Network. Good stuff there all the way around. Um, Interesting story today in the Chicago Sun-Times. We've heard comments about the White Sox before, but to hear them from Jose Abreu. Well, it's on the website this morning, chicagosuntimes.com. I don't believe it's in the print edition because Steve Greenberg is in Florida. He saw Jose Abreu take Adam Wainwright deep yesterday, 437-foot home run. Things look to be going very well for Jose Abreu. But, Molly, yes, the comments from Jose Abreu and the way that Steve Greenberg described talking to him in the Astros clubhouse are worth talking about. Here's the way it's set up. He asked Jose Abreu, Steve Greenberg asked Abreu what he will miss about life in Chicago. And it seemed to strike Jose Abreu in such a way that he was emotional uh, responding to him. He said in English – it hurts. And then he went, elaborated through a translator and basically described how he felt disrespected by the White Sox and said, sometimes when you're at a place where maybe you're not being respected to the point where you think you should be, 
You just have to go somewhere else. That's Jose Abreu. Mm-hmm. Not exactly a guy who's known to be a rabble-rouser, not a guy who is anything except for the model of consistency and the epitome of a leader in the White Sox clubhouse since he arrived. Having that kind of feeling as he walks out the door, not good, not not great. And you wonder, how did he feel? Did they not want him back? Is that what he's basically saying? They made a choice, and we talked about and wondered, would he be back and would he sign a, a modest extension with the Sox? But it seems as if they were not that motivated, not that interested in keeping Jose Abreu around because he left feeling disrespected. Yet another Chicago athlete leaving town and not really feeling great about the experience. Well, not a surprise. I mean, um, you know, Jose Abreu, um, he he did not want to leave. That's what, He said that remembering it, is difficult because it hurts. And he said it hurts in English too. And I I think that it's because he, you know, I mean, Jose Abreu laid it on the line here. He really, um, you know, did anything. Didn't matter what injury he had, what happened. He played and he played and he played. He'd take terrible knocks and he'd play. Um, And he did great for the White Sox. And then, you know, he's, they wanted to keep him at a, at a, Modest price, I guess. He knew that, and he says in the story that that he wouldn't bet against Luis Robert as a breakout candidate. Oh no, Vaughan, he's very respectful of his ex teammates. Absolutely, I mean, you know. So that's like but, the guy that replacing it, him. Here's what he says too. I think sometimes talking about the past can bring a lot of animosity, but I think the best way I can put it is that just we weren't a real family, and I'm hoping maybe the Sox can get to a situation where a lot of the guys there that do deserve to be in a good situation they can have it there and be able to win but i don't really have too much more to say about that they weren't a real family they weren't a real family the dysfunction that we saw from the outside was felt within and you know we heard that before from i think dallas keichel said some stuff but it was dallas keichel this is jose abreu this is jose abreu one of the this more respected is, white yeah. Sox players of the last decade this is your leader your leader that you essentially let leave. And, and now and he's... And he's hurt. And he's hurt. And so he's not going to be, you know, oh, God, the Sox were the greatest family ever because he was kicked out of the family. But that that is not the kind of way you want to be viewed around the league by ball players, right? You don't want a guy like Abreu, who is nothing but like a quiet servant of the team, to feel that way when he leaves. And it's... It's a disappointment. It really is. How do you how do you reconcile that with the idea? It sounds as if he felt disrespected. It sounds as if the White Sox, in his view, did not want to keep him. Well, that's what happened. But right? Jerry Reinsdorf made a statement, Mully, and he said that he his it was his hope that Jose Abreu would never wear another uniform. Yeah. So was that just rhetoric? Empty rhetoric? Well, did they offer him sixty million? Is that what he signed for? Sixty million? Right. Just saying. I mean. Uh, it's you know hey say whatever you want but you know actions speak louder than words right listen we want him here forever but we want him here at our price and it's not going to be very high we want to be able to afford him yeah we don't want him unconditionally 
right. don't love him that much. And and you know what? I, honestly, listen, I loved Jose Abreu. I'm looking forward to seeing how they do uh, moving forward well, here. And I think I, that Andrew Vaughn, again, they, they had a player that, that needed a place, and they found a place for him. And I'm not – you know, it, do they have to choose between the two guys? Listen, you know, you need a catcher. You need a uh, – a second base for you. I mean, they didn't pay anything to Elvis Andrews, and they got him back. To One year, $3 million. I think both things can be true. You can respect Jose Abreu and wonder what this suggests about the way a, a former captain and leader was treated and still hope and believe that Andrew Vaughn is going to be a very consistent run producer who is a defensive uh, presence at first base. And, and the complaint has always been that the Sox are too loyal. That they are too. They've got a bunch of people coaching and playing, and you know, let's get Tony Larusa in here. Oh, we should never have let Tony go. We're going to do a make good, and then it falls apart on you, right? So, I, and I think that you know, I mean, how many people were complaining that Daryl Boston is still on the staff? And I'm like, really? Does anybody really care about that? Yes, yes. Because he's the Sox he's fans the, do. He's the liaison, yeah. and he's he's giving info to Kenny and. I mean, it's just like the Sox, it's, it's to a certain extent, when you talk about loyalty, when you talk about um, taking care of people, it, it, you, can, you can fall in the, into the danger of kind of, um, of like Dick Duran insisting that he was going to keep the offensive coordinator, John Shoup, he, you know, we, we like him. We, he's told Shoup's got to go. You guys can stay, but you got to replace him. I'm not going to do that. Okay, so your loyalty to one guy got the whole coaching staff fired, right? And, and I'm not saying that he was wrong or what it was. I'm just saying loyalty is a very interesting thing to think about because, unfortunately, the reality of life is that players age and you move on and you go in different directions. Well, you, you can be loyal to a fault. Yes. There's no doubt about but, that. But the Bear, the, or excuse me, the White Sox have been extremely loyal to players, sometimes to, to their own detriment. Well, the uh, ironic thing the, is, the Tony LaRusso, is, is that the loyalty to Tony LaRusso might have created the situation this is what I'm saying. where this you're, is, you were viewed as disloyal to Jose Abreu because one's related to the other. The. Regret that you sense from this story is about what went wrong in the last two years. And you don't know if Jose Abreu is referring to the way that he was disrespected in whatever contract negotiations they had or the way that he was maybe ignored or disrespected during the Tony La Russa tenure. Yeah, I don't know what it is. But I it's don't. not good. Yeah, It's not but, the way you want to have a yeah. respected, revered part of your past speak about you in the present, right? I mean, uh, the Sox, good? The, the Sox are known for for their for their loyalty, just not to players like that, <laughs> not to to Frank Thomas or Ozzy or you know. Think about the great players that have left dissatisfied and had or, similar feelings. Well, Is that just a byproduct of being yes. uh, an ex anything? Yes, that's a byproduct of aging in the world and and people moving on from you and. All the rest. Of I it. hope Jose Abreu hits 35 home runs for Dusty Baker. Yeah, I Astros. hope he has a great season, and I I feel awful that he that he looks back at you know some great years, some great you know service to the club, and not feel like it was reciprocated. This is his Wilson Contreras moment. Wow, you know he's he doesn't have like Willie's a little more emotional than than uh, 
Jose Abreu. But you, I mean, you went to Cuba with him and saw him reunite with his son. Oh, I, his story is unbelievable. I, I love, I loved the Jose Abreu story. I loved the connection that I, I the rapport that I had with him yeah. from day one. I can remember it's the first Sox Fest, and then going to Cuba with the family. There's yes. nobody in town in the last decade I've I've respected any more than Jose Abreu. You you never shared a meal with him, but the two of you munched on a passport on the way. <laughs> Get out of here. <laughs> It's a tough story. 312-644-6767. Mullion Hall on the score. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Um, you know, again, I feel like, you know, I don't know what's going to happen. Um, obviously, we don't get to choose. So, um, again, I, I, don't, I don't know what's I'd, – I'd be surprised either way. I'm, I'm, I'm just happy to be here, honestly. Um, you know, I'm, uh, again, it's an honor for me um, to, to be able to be selected by whatever team it is that, that takes a chance on me. So, whoever it was at, at whatever position, um, I'm just happy to, to get that chance to the next level. Mully and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio 6-7 of the score. That is the voice of Bryce Young. He spoke today at the Combine. Did he say at whatever position? I think whatever spot he meant. I don't okay. think he meant. You're thinking, just, you're thinking like quarterback, Why, they're going to turn him to a corner? Yeah, <laughs> cornerback. <laughs> he's a slot no, guy now. Bryce Young uh, representing himself very well. He's, he's somebody who is likable. He's credible. He's proven. He's not the Alabama player I would draft number one. That's good. You're very clever. That is, that's <laughs> I'm not good, trying to be no, clever. I know what you I'm mean. just being honest. I, I'm being honest. Of, of the guys who I'm looking at on that Alabama roster, Will Anderson, to me, emerged this week, maybe confirmed some things. If I'm picking number one, again, this is just let's look at the draftable prospects. I'm not factoring in needs on a roster. 
or deficiency in talent or the desperation mode that Ryan Poles finds himself in hmm. in this offseason. If I'm picking one Alabama player to, to draft number one overall, it's Will Anderson, hands down. Yeah, I, I hope they trade the pick. I, well, I hope they trade well, the pick. I, I'm not – I'm not saying that they you draft Will picks. Anderson instead of trading the pick. That that again, that that that's just if if all things were equal right now and you couldn't trade the pick, I'd I'd take Will Anderson. Now, you can't do that. You can't look at it that way. There's more nuance, there's more complexity. Yes. The Bears are in a very difficult spot because they're going to be tempted maybe to take the sure the surer thing in Will Anderson. All right. What are you laugh at me? I'm not. I'm laughing at a texter says, Young sounds like he needs another growth spurt. Sounds young. He sounds really young. And no pun intended, but. He is a young. But he sounds very much like he's, he's I like a teenager. Um, so Mark Rohde is working hard. He's down in Indy, and he's trying to, to uh, send in some, some cuts. So mm-hmm. he sent one in from uh, – the Ohio State wide receiver, Jackson Smith Najigba, who is uh, obviously a former teammate of Justin Fields and probably a guy, didn't he get hurt this year? Wasn't Didn't he miss a lot of the season? But he's a really good receiver and was asked about Justin Fields. Let's listen. It would mean a lot. I mean, I would definitely appreciate that uh, there in Chicago. Uh, Justin Fields, you know, playing with an elite quarterback. Um, you know, I think it would just be, you know, good for both of us, you know, to be there, you know, to have that support, you know, on and off the field. CJ and Justin, you know, both playmakers, both can, you know, get the job done, obviously. Uh, Justin definitely, you, you know, uses his legs more, you know, and, um, you know, I think uh, CJ's uh, long ball is definitely very unique. Uh, Justin definitely has that too, but, you know, uh, you know they're both great. It's kind of hard to compare. What about in the huddle? In the huddle, they 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 both take over the huddle. Um, um, yeah, they both take over the huddle. You know, uh, just Justin got a little southernness to him, and CJ got a little west coast to him. So that's about it. <laughs> That is really interesting, and I, and I think the kid's in an awkward position. There. Oh, definitely. First, he's talking about, hey, would you like to play with Justin Fields? Yeah. Oh, are you kidding me? I'd love that. I'd yes, love that. Go. Please. Now compare him to your quarterback uh, from last year. CJ Stroud has a unique deep ball. Yeah. Well, unique but, means that there's really no other measure or comparison. And, but so does. Oh, but you know what? Justin throws a pretty good deep ball, too. <laughs> it's a very awkward spot to be in. It is. I, I think when you talk about. Smith and Jigba and Justin Fields, you're looking for Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow. You're looking for that kind of college connection translating into the NFL. I don't know how realistic that is. I don't know if they're going to be positioned to draft him. and Or, or even if they were, Molly, how would you feel about devoting that pick to a wide receiver if it were in the first round? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I would have to see – where the pick is, I would have to see what other options are available. I'm not. I'm not against them taking a wide receiver at at some point in the draft. I just don't know if that's the priority position for me. That a lot of well, let's let's look at it practically right now. If you have three picks in the top fifty, would you can you afford to make one of them a wide receiver? Uh, yes, if you have three in the top fifty. But right now they have one. In the top fifty, 
I, I think that's the problem. Well, I mean, I if you if you multiply though, if you if you trade down and multiply, would you think loaves and fish type thing? Exactly, <laughs> that's what I'm looking for. Loaves and fish. <laughs> this is the draft. It is. I don't know if you've heard that's the right. promo, that's but right. this is the most important offseason in Bears history. This is the most important trade for the Bears because they obviously the problem. You know, look, I'm as excited about all this stuff as anyone. But you went through this horrible 14 game. Uh, stretch you lost a team record 14 games it was a rough season and the and the payoff is the number one overall pick and you you really can't afford to use it on a great player because you need to trade down and you need to add draft assets and you need to add enough draft assets that if you come to a conclusion at the end of this year that maybe you don't have the quarterback of the future then you can come back next year and use your draft assets to move up and get whoever you think is going to be that. I know what you're saying, and I don't disagree with it, but what it sounds like you're doing, not to put words in your mouth, but it seems like that is justifying being terrible. Well, You're I'm, trying to justify the celebration I, I, when, when, the, when the Texans did what they did on the last know. day of the season and it vaulted you ahead of them on the draft board. You're saying that in order to make that pay off, you need to trade down to make sure you multiply that's that pick. That's not what I'm saying. That's not what I'm saying because I don't care if you had the second pick in the draft. I'd still want them to trade down. Okay. They have one pick in the top 50. They have a roster bereft of talent. So multiply. They got a ton of money to spend in free agency. They, I, I'd like to see them become more competitive than they were. And a lot of people, oh, they were so competitive. Didn't you see how well they lost? Yeah, I saw I saw them lose a lot, <laughs> right. you know? And I don't think that's the I, I, purpose of the to, whole damn to me, thing. To me, the most conventional approach to this is what you're describing. You do seek quantity over quality. You don't want to be mesmerized or infatuated with that one pick and to pass up this opportunity to load your roster with talent and to increase your odds, frankly, of getting something out of this draft that's more lasting than just one guy. You can find players at every spot in the draft. It's been done. Go look up every position, every number, and you'll find somebody that's Hall of Fame quality. And there's not, it's not like there are tons of Hall of Famers. It's a pretty exclusive club. My point is that if you can trade down and gather more, then that gives you more opportunity to get it right. I, I don't – do you feel that there is a sure thing player? The closest thing is Will Anderson. We thought the closest thing was Jalen Carter. Now we're no longer sure about that. None of these quarterbacks are as uh, sure as the guy I, you have right now. I, I don't know the answer to that, and, and you know that it's impossible to answer. It's not as clear cut, so I think that is my answer. Right? So, but my question then would be, is, the, is it possible that there is a player that we're not talking about who's going to end up being the best one of the bunch, like you've seen in repeated drafts? Yes, that is possible. There you That's go. That's even probable. That's probable. When you don't have a consensus number one, the chances are the one you think is or could be isn't that guy. There are four quarterbacks, and we don't know which one of them is going to have the best career. Nope. Right? Nope. I mean, and, and I mean – the Bears traded up from the third pick to the second pick to have a shot at a quarterback, and they ended up taking the wrong guy. 
because the third player off the board ended up being the best one of the bunch. And last night on, on the clock by Mark Grody every Thursday night, six to seven. Yeah. I think Rick Spielman, your guy, said that, that stay away. <laughs> Peter Skronsky could be the best left tackle in this draft. Right. He could be a guy that ends up being, I don't know about the best player in this draft, but certainly one of the more productive players. If he's a 10-year starter uh, for whatever and, and, team takes him. And if you take left tackles, if you look at the strike rate of those positions, because offensive linemen are like usually like firmly committed to the game, to dependable guys, to the, very dependable guys, the left tackle position, when you draft a guy in the first round, more likely than not, he's going to be a starter. More likely than not, he's going to be a 10-year guy. You're going to be able to line him up. Not a sexy pick. People don't go crazy about, oh, my God, I can't believe that lineman. But the reality is that's how you win football games. You're not going to have to worry about civil litigation with the left tackle you trust. Okay, fair enough. And that's, uh, that, is, that is a big point. And, and, you know, the other thing is, and I, I love Will Anderson. Did you see some of the times of some of these guys? It seems like that the defensive linemen as a group ran better than we've seen defensive the, linemen run. They were running like linebackers. Well, first thing I said when I walked in this morning, and I don't think it was entirely fair, but it was my reaction, that's a fast track. I wonder what it is about that track. It seems faster this year. Is it just because there are more guys that are quicker, or is it because there's somebody that is going on with the, with the stopwatch or whatever the case? And, and, I mean, if you think about it, if everybody's getting another pass rusher this year, don't you need a left tackle to stop them from rushing? You the do pass? need a left tackle, and you also might not be able to find one later in the draft, like you might be able to find an edge rusher. That was a point Dave Wanstead made. Right. You know this right. this draft may have deeper supply of edge rushers than they do say left tackle. So I guess the point would be, yeah, if you move down to let's say hypothetically you trade with the Panthers and you're sitting there at nine, and Peter Skronsky's there. Yeah, and everyone's you're tempted everyone's, to get a left tackle. Oh, he's a, he's a left guard. He's a left guard. You know, what was Tony Wise's line? A lot of your guards are failed tackles, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. We see it here in Chicago. If you like I, the highest draft pick you have currently on the offensive line, he was a second-round pick. Let's let the kid a get into tackle. a camp before you start projecting him. I think people are repeating what they hear sometimes. And you're right. They hear sometimes he might not be a guy because of his arm size or whatever the case. Let's give, give him a chance. Let's, let's not – you know, let, let's see what they do. Yeah. Right, but I mean, my recommendation would be to to just keep adding players, keep hoping that somebody is going to make a bad decision about one of these quarterbacks or or the correct decision. I don't know how good they are. Well, I think bad decision, good decision. You want them to overreact. That's right. That's you right. need an overreaction. And, and you know, one of the things you are concerned about, quite frankly, is when you have a general manager that is as young and inexperienced as Ryan Poles is. You want to make sure. That um, that the sharks aren't swimming around, right? That that he makes the best deal he can make for the Bears, and that teams that are trying to move up understand what he wants. He's got to hold his ground a little bit. So it's a very <laughs> distinct possibility that he's going to have to hold on to the number one pick. That he might not get the value that he wants. You can plant all the stories you want about all the interest in, in the uh, first pick. And I'm not saying they were planted stories, but everyone seems to believe that. Well, Ian Rappaport followed up what Adam Schefter said, and typically those are guys Friends who, of the program. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I got you, you. you have to understand what's going on here. You don't want Ryan Poles to be the easy mark among executives drafting in the top ten.
Let's uh, let's get to the phone lines. A lot of people want to check in. We'll start with Tony. He's waited patiently. Tony is uh, is with us now. Hey, Tony. Hey, guys. You know, um, just on the Abreu thing, I mean, I, I don't think it's a big deal. I don't think most fans would think it's a big deal. You know, they respected him while he was here. Yeah. And they, they needed to move him. It sounds a little bit like sour grapes. Um, as far as him saying they didn't feel like a family, well, you know, all the players, the core was there. So what, what changed? They were a family two years before that, and, and then they weren't a family. And he's a team leader. So I don't know if that speaks well of a team leader. If the family's that dysfunctional and you're supposed to be the, 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 the main man. You, you brought in Tony LaRusso. You, you changed the family dynamic. Yeah, but yeah. but he didn't. Mom, mom's, gonna get, gonna, mom got remarried and the stepdad was no fun. <laughs> yeah, it's going to get all laid on LaRusso. Um, well, if you're a family, yeah. you're a strong family. I yeah. mean, I don't know. But, yeah, I, I, I but, but Tony, Tony, he's right though. I but, mean, but it all not, gets laid on Larusa. Where are we at with but that? We're not overstating this. This is this something that Jose Abreu said. We're interpreting it. We're putting it into perspective in context. He said that he wasn't happy. I, I think that it, it it does make you wonder why players can't leave their teams with fond memories. It seems like it maybe is sour grapes. I don't know, but we're not going to ignore it. Let's squeeze in Beer Man Joe. Beer Man Joe is in Elmhurst. You must know Dustin well. Hey, Beer Man Joe. <laughs> no, I actually, I don't know Dustin, but we do have our Elmhurst St. Patrick's Day parade tomorrow. And, uh, we'll be but there. anyways, uh, listen, I have, I'm 57 years old. I love you guys. And I was told from way back, Mike Murphy, I was the fifth ever caller to the score. Wow. And he, do you remember they used uh, monikers all the time? <laughs> Uh, I used to be in Fish Fest and all that stuff, but here, here's my question because um, you guys are smarter than me about this. Um, so everybody talks about how much the Bears have money, right? Yep. And but so why did they let Roquan go? Yes, that's a really good question. Thanks, Bear Man Joe. That's a good question, yeah. Joe. We I, I said to Dustin, you know, I, I, yeah. Uh, my theory is that they let it get personal. I think it did get personal. I and think it got personal. I think, you know, what's going on right now in Baltimore where you got a guy that doesn't have an agent and he has a demand and he's not coming off the demand and you're kind of like, well, you know, why doesn't someone give him better advice on this so we can get this deal done? He's not getting any. That gets in the way. And then when it comes to the public nature of these negotiations and the things are communicated through the media, it depicts a poor relationship. Yes. And I think you let your personal feelings cloud your professional judgment. That's right. And that's my interpretation of where things got uh, off, uh, off track in the Roquan Smith negotiation. Roquan had a great year, just not here in Chicago. <laughs> Mulligan Hall, Chicago Sports Radio. We got the... Uh, I believe we have uh, 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 Layla in with Lawrence. So it's going to be a lot of upbeat buzzers going off. Everybody delighted. It's a Layla Friday. It's a Layla Friday. Molly and Ha on the score. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. 
Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.